This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and thanks for joining me on this July 12th edition of Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and for those of you that visit our companion platform, investtalk.com, you may have noticed a simple statement that's been on there forever, and that is above average investing for the average investor. Now, this declaration, or this axiom, if you will, applies to our website and our radio program. You know, my goal with InvestTalk is all the platform is to inform you, to educate, to guide, and over time, this will strengthen our relationship with, with between us and strengthen your knowledge on how to understand your own finances and how to make your money grow. And it's a two-way street, back and forth. You can ask questions, as you know, anytime you want. We invite you to ask questions. I'm I and Justin. And the lines are always open. They're open right now, 888-99-CHART. Now, with the summer driving season officially here, is there any way to reliably predict how oil prices may fluctuate, go up or down at the pump or the gasoline prices? Uh, is, can, you, can you know exactly what it's going to do? And I'm, the answer is no. You can't predict it. It's very difficult. There are certainly plenty of competing headlines, and at least one story out there, a major misstep by a huge oil exporter about what oil prices should do and what value of oil companies are. And it gives a glimpse as to the future, by the way. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute, about oil markets in uh, just a couple minutes. But first, let's get... Our, to our Thursday questions this Thursday morning, almost end of the week. You can call anytime you want. The listener line number is 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. This is Jack calling from Upstate New York. I've got a question about cash, keeping cash in my brokerage account. You know, I look at uh, the cash that's getting zero. I get nothing every month on my statement. Why don't I take that money and put it into like a safe municipal bond fund like an ETF Vanguard has a, a good Municipal bond invest New York State. I don't have to pay any state income tax, no federal tax, and it's getting about three percent a year. There seems to be no risk in that. So instead of getting zero, why don't I put some money in a in a municipal bond fund uh, ETF with low expense ratio? What's the downside risk of that? And if there is, could I just uh, um, put a stop limit on it and uh, sell it if it drops to a, if the net uh, asset value drops? So what's the downside risk of putting my cash in a tax-free municipal bond fund with low expense ratio? Thanks. Appreciate your show. Okay. There's not a lot of downside, but the risk is always interest rates. It's an interest rate risk. You say you're going to get uh, 3%, and that's tax-free because if you're buying a bond fund in the state that you live, that would be double tax-free. Uh, and you would think, okay, I'm getting 3%, therefore, gee, I'm doing well. I don't have to buy my cash. I don't take hardly any risk. That's not quite right because that 3% yield that you're getting could all disappear if interest rates keep rising. Remember, the value of bonds go down when interest rates rise. And if interest rates keep rising, even though you're getting 3% a year, what if the value of the bond fund you have gone goes down 3% a year, then you made absolutely zero. 
And what would drive it down? A rising interest rate environment. Interest rates rising will drive bond values down. Now, there's a lot more to it than that. There is. Like the duration of the bonds, you know, are they short-term, long-term? You know, what, what, when you talk about municipal bonds, how risky are the municipalities that you're investing? There's that risk, but it's a small risk, very small risk. Because most municipalities are doing very, very well, and they usually do very, very well when the economy is strong. It's in the recession that sometimes the bonds, uh, municipal bonds, might be a little bit more risky. But even then, they're pretty stable. So I wouldn't worry about that risk. I would worry more about the interest rate risk. If I knew that interest rates were going to move down, then I would say, hey, there's even less risk. Because if they go down, the bond value goes up, and you get your 3% plus the value of up. See? So don't think a bonds, mutual funds are not risky. The longer the maturity of the bonds inside the bond fund, the more risk it is. Especially if the Fed continues to raise rates like they say they're going to. So be very careful. It seems that even wealthy market savvy operators like Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salam, you know that MBS, he goes by that, and he's supposed to, you know, he's had, he's been managing billions of dollars for some time. Even he gets things wrong, right? Even though he's been doing it, uh, and he's been it, all his life grown up around oil, and the value of oil and oil assets, he gets it wrong sometimes. Here's some recent headlines: U.S. oil prices rose five, lose five percent. Okay, they went down to $70 a barrel. $70 is pretty high. That was yesterday on MarketWatch.com. India to OPEC. Soaring oil prices will erode demand because it hurts economies, right? Higher the oil price, the, it hurts economies that import it. Okay, world's fastest growing oil users buck trend as of price cuts. And that was yesterday, Bloomberg. What do these things mean? What does it mean? I spent a little time talking about oil yesterday and possibly trade war complications, but I thought it might be instructive to demonstrate just how difficult predicting oil prices is. And the value of oil-based assets can be very, very difficult. Now, Saudi Arabia said they were going to take their uh, Saudi Armaco, their national oil company, public or partially public, and it's going to be worth about $2 trillion dollars. In an IPO. Now, some of the background. In early 2016, Mohammed bin Salim, the Saudi Arabian prince, said he planned to sell shares in the kingdom's crown jewel, Saudi Aramco, the giant oil, oil energy oil company, and that produces 10% of the world's oil. And so he said that, and he's 32 years old, by the way, crown prince, and he's a pretty smart guy. He's not, you know, he's, he's pretty good. He thought it would be worth about $2 trillion. Now, just to give you some scale, that's twice as value, valuable as Apple computer. Now, most of the experts that are out there that are not him are saying it's worth about one to one and a half trillion at the most. So he doesn't know. Remember, if he takes it public, that means the public decides. You don't get to, he doesn't get to decide how much it's worth. The public does. They bid, the, the value of the stock is, is a pure open cry market where someone bids a price, someone asks for a price. And, that, you know, he can't, he can't demand $2 trillion. 
He, th he would like to, but that's not going to happen. So now he's not talking about coming IPO so much anymore because he thinks it's worth more than he can get. People, yeah, you know, experts are always wrong. I wrote that in my book, and I repeat it on this show all the time. Anyways, remember, Armaco is a company like no other. Its profits easily outstrip those of every other company on earth, from Apple to Exxon, because they're so big. So it may, it's fascinating. At least I think it is. About what the players, the key players, what they think and what they think it's worth. It's only worth what people think it's worth. You can't. <laughs> Anyways, I'll, I'll stop beating that into the ground. Do you guys have any questions about oil? The number is 888-99-CHART. Now, okay, we'll talk about what we're going to talk about today. Okay, sooner or later, a bear market will become reality. That's going to be our main talking point. It's going to happen at some point. Okay, bulls are in charge right now. Bulls, bull market. The bulls are in charge. And when I say that, even though the market hasn't done that much this year, they're still in charge. I want to talk about why I say that. How do I come to that conclusion? And CPI and the PPI reports came out. Those are inflation gauges and for June, and I want to talk about that. And then I want to talk about the market, the bond market. Why isn't it reacting to the inflation news? So I want to talk about the inflation news and then talk about the bond market. What is it trying to tell us? That's, you know, part of my job and part of your job of managing your own money is trying to figure out what is actually happening in the marketplace. One of the reasons why I love this doing do what I do is try, it's like a big puzzle that you're trying to put the pieces together. And not only are you trying to put the pieces together, the pieces are changing shape every so often. <laughs> and you're still trying to put it together. But it's fascinating to try to do it, try to figure it out. Now, that's what we're going to talk about today. The market was up sharply. The Dow's up 224 points. The Nasdaq up 107 points. And the S&P up 24 points. So the market was up sharply after a down day yesterday. And before yesterday, it was up three days in a row. And now here it is up again today. Hmm. Are we in the clear? Are we, are we in our next leg of an up market? I'm going to tell you no. I don't think so. Even though I say the bulls are in charge, it's going to be fun to talk about it. I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you for making time for Invest Talk. If you listen on a regular basis, you probably realize that Justin and I do our best to make the complex understandable. We offer unbiased guidance, and we always appreciate your input. So please call now, 888-99-CHART. It's a Thursday Invest Talk. July is practically half over. You've got terms you need to find and questions that need answers. You're in the right place. Steve's here and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to my favorite guy who lives in Menlo Park, Art. How you doing, Art? Good, Steve. How are you today? I was just calling. I'm good. Uh, Thanks for the call. Philip Morris to try to get as a yep. uh, kind of a defensive uh, play since it's paying about five and a half percent. 
And, uh, yeah, you like can't you can't beat yeah you can't beat that dividend, can you? Now I think it's a great buy right here. I think you, this is where you buy it. Philip Morris is a stock that uh, I, I like. We own a tobacco company, not this particular one, but I wouldn't mind owning this company. Pays a five point five percent dividend. Er, earnings have been very very steady over the years. Dividend is very solid. They're not going to go away. The stock has fallen from like 110, 112. That'd be, you know, like a year ago to as low as about $77. It hit a bottom and now it's moving back up. It's at $83.20. It's above its 20-day moving average. It's above its 50-day uh, uh, moving average. I, I think it's a buy point. You know, it's, it's, it, and the sales are starting to increase 11 12% next year. Uh, I, I just, you know, earnings are going up 10%. I can't see why you wouldn't want to own it. it. It's a good place. Good blue chip, $130 billion company with very good finances. So, yeah, I think you buy it here. If you, but you live, okay. it's not going to, it might go back up to 102, 105, somewhere in there, 112. That's, but that's not going to go much higher than that. So, but you could collect that 5.5%. All right. Yeah, I like it. Thanks for the call. Okay. Appreciate it. PM is a Thank symbol, you. everybody. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And heading into this break, I want to remind you that Invest Talk is heard live each weekday at 4 to 5 Pacific time on the radio up in the Bay Area. And also live on Internet streaming through investtalk.com. I would appreciate it if you you pass on the word to listen to us. I really do. You can listen to it through podcasts. We welcome all questions as long as they're fans. I want to hear your question. And 888-99-CHART is the number. The amount and variety of financial advice offered by an almost unlimited number of sources can seem overwhelming. But InvestTalk Radio, Podcast, and InvestTalk.com are available 24-7 to give you straightforward and unbiased guidance. And if you're ready for personalized portfolio attention, you can schedule a meeting with Steve or Justin. Start a conversation by going to the Contact Us page at InvestTalk.com. But now, back to your calls, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's go talk to uh, Ed in Alaska. How you doing, Ed? Good, good, Ed. Uh, Steve, good. I'm just uh, wondering uh, about LB brand. It's, it's pretty hit bad today, so I want to add yep. more in my... Uh, is, it, is it a good one? What do you think? Okay, L brands, everybody. Their biggest... Uh, this is a... Operates 3,075... Franchises, 813 specialty retail stores in U.S., Canada, and the U.K. And their biggest brand is Victoria's Secret. Okay, uh, and that's the, brand, the 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 one store they have that's not doing very well. And they came out with earnings, and even though the earnings are up, fi up, not down, up five percent year over year. Same store sales were up five percent year over year. The stock got hit because the experts expected more than that. So they're still having trouble. Now, because it, it's already been hit, it went from $60 here at the beginning of the year down to 32 cut almost in half. When the earnings are actually, you know, moving 
For 2018, they're going to make $3.20. $3 they made, then it dropped to two, it's going to be dropping to two eighty dollars uh, in their 2019 year, which is what their year in now, and then back up to 293, and at 293, it's a $32 stock. That means the PE looking forward is 11. The range is 10 to 27 the last five years, and it pays a 7.4% dividend, which is not in danger because earnings and sales are going up. So you're asking if you should buy more. I would tend to say yes. Because the dividend is not in danger. It may take a while for it to recover, the stock. I wouldn't do it tomorrow. I, I would wait for a few days to make sure that it settled down. Because it got, took it took about a 10% hit today. Its low is about $30.50 or so. It's at $32.34. So you want to make sure it holds that low and bounces off, Ed. So just wait a few days, a week or two, and just watch it. And then if it starts to act better, yeah, I think this is a good price for it. A lot of insiders are buying at the, around this price. A lot of insiders are buying. Okay, Thank appreciate you. the Thank call. You. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, a bear market is coming. Right, you know that, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you some kind of big secret. A bear market is coming. Now, since you know that, None of us knows the time. None of us knows when it's going to come. It could come out of left field or it could be very predictable based on the next uh, timing of the coming of the next recession. No one really knows. But you can, you can prepare for it now. And I would suggest you prepare for it now. Now, preparing for it doesn't mean selling all your stock. It doesn't mean selling any of your stock. What it means is, Take a look at your positions in your portfolio. Which ones are the higher risk? Which ones are the lower risk? Should you start to migrate to the lower risk type positions? Okay, that's really one of the things you could do that is not dramatic and to take your time and just move away, but you have to learn how to recognize the higher risk versus the low risk. Uh, and then start moving away. I don't say dump all those good stocks that have been ri rising. Don't dump them. But take a look at the valuations to figure how much, how much, how much you got, how much risk you are taking. Also, time to set aside some money that you might need. Okay, so don't don't have the money in the market that you're going to need to live on in the next recession. And you don't want the next bear market to put so much stress on your finances that you start to worry or panic over it. Set that money aside. Okay? And make sure you mentally prepare yourself. Remember what happened in the last recession. Okay? And that was a really bad one. Kind of unprecedented. It probably won't happen like that again. But prepare yourself. Know that your positions will go down sharply in value but also know that they'll eventually recover. Didn't it happen last time? It's happened after every recession. The smart thing is you do what Warren Buffett does. You buy the recession. You buy it. You don't sell it. But to buy it, unlike Warren Buffett, who always has billions of dollars coming in all the time, new money, you and I don't have that. So how do we prepare to buy in a recession? Well, you take a look at the risk of the positions you have, Maybe cut them, cut some of those in half. 
move move to you know move produce some cash and just hold on to it for a while and don't worry about it just be patient one of the hardest things to learn in this business is being patient hard for people to be patient they always want to keep doing something let's go do something let's buy something let's sell something that's that's not yeah you know, that's not the best way to think about the stock market think of the best way to think about it is you bought a business is a business doing well if it's still doing well then you why you why would you sell it it's a good business now tomorrow on invest talk the seven most curious questions regarding your 401k they are great for retirement savings but managing 401ks can be kind of quirky difficult it can be i'm going to explain it tomorrow but for now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm here for you. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues on next. It may be hard to believe, but the average 401k investor misses out on over $5,000 per year in investment gains. How come? Poor timing? and subpar fund choices. That's the big challenge that is being met now with Active 401k. The typical 401k plan has limited choices. People don't know what to do, and that's exactly why Active 401k was devised. It may be just what you've needed. It ranks your current options within your current employer's plan, and then all you do is log in and make the changes. You'll be told exactly what to buy, what percentages, and what funds. This program is offered by invitation to KPP clients and limited number of our listeners, too. And if you'd like to see more about it, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Investments tab and then look for Active 401k. Now let's get back to our podcast. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are dedicated to providing straightforward and unbiased investing management. InvestTalk.com can help you there too. Check out the various investing strategy programs offered by KPP Financial and read why KPP recommends them. But now, Steve is here and he's ready for your calls. 88899 chart. This is Mike from Nevada. I'm wondering about a stock. It's Enbridge, symbol E N B. And uh, wondering if you, Steve, think it's a good idea to buy right now. I know there's some concerns about the debt level of the company, but dividend yields look attractive and looks like it's been beaten up a little bit on its uh, 52 week trading range. Seeing if you think it's a good opportunity or if it's a value trap and a thinking stock. Let me know what you think. Look forward to the answer on the show. Thanks. I do not think it's a value trap. This is Enbridge Inc. It's a Canadian company engaged in distribution of gas to 3.7 million customers in Ontario, Quebec, and New Brunswick, and New York, by the way. So it's a, it's a utility-type company, a gas company. They're very stable. That's why I don't think it's a value trap. They're, they're very stable because, you know, they have power to raise rates, but they're also controlled by the government to some degree. So that control offer also offers stability, okay? They're going to make $1.93 this year, 
after making a dollar ninety-six last year, they're going to make a dollar ninety-five next year. So you're not going to get growth out of this company. You're not going to get much growth. Sales growth is increasing, but the earnings is not. It pays a five point eight percent dividend. It fell all the way down to about twenty-eight fifty, and now today it's at thirty-five, and it's right in the middle of its range at thirty-five. Just so you know, it's in the middle. So it's not a bargain anymore. But it still pays a very nice dividend. And debt, they do have debt. Many of these companies do. Um, but I don't think it's so burdensome that they can't handle and still pay the dividend. Their, their cash flow is $6.87 a share. And it's a $35 stock. That's a huge cash flow. So I kind of I kind of I, I like the stock. It's a, just moved above its 200-day moving average. These are the kinds of stocks, by the way, that are not that risky. So when I was talking about earlier to take a look at your portfolio, prepare for the next bar, bear market, this stock will hold up pretty well. Pays a high dividend, very stable. And the next recession, is the earnings will probably not go down much. Probably stay the same. Symbols, E-N-B, E. As an Edward, N as a Nancy, B as a boy, E and B. I, I like the stock. I just it's just a little bit more expensive than I want to pay. Let's put it that way. Thirty-five dollar stock going to make a dollar ninety-five. So what? Eighteen, nineteen PE, twenty PE. Eh. I like the company though. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. The bulls are in charge. Remember, the market was up 224 points on the Dow today, 107 on the NASDAQ, 24 on the S&P. So how do I determine that they're still in charge? Well, one way I do it is look at charts. I look at charts. What There's a story in every chart. Look at a chart of the S&P 500. So that's one of the broadest indexes out there. It's not the broadest, but it is one of the broadest indexes out there. And you look at it. And you see that the market peaked in, in the January month, this January, the last January, peaked, then fell sharply in February, and then went up about two-thirds, which is a normal retracement, then back down to three tests of lows back in April, then went up slightly, then back down and retested the, the lows again. And that was like the first three, four months of the year, Okay ending kind of like right around May 1st or so. Then from May 1st, now you have higher highs and higher lows. But you're still well, well below the old highs. You're still well below that. So as the mar as you, when you have higher highs in the price and higher lows in the price, that tells you that every time there seems to be some bargain going on, there's buyers coming in. And I've been writing in a newsletter you know, that I put out every week, buy on dips, buy on dips. And this it's been being, ever since the beginning of May, that's been true. Usually, you know, you look for a, a big correction in the summertime. You still could have that. But if you get it, that's a buying opportunity, not a selling opportunity. Why? Because earnings are very strong. And the three major problems that are headwinds, Trump, tariffs, election, and Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve uh, increasing rates. One of them's completely gone away after the elections late in the year, right? 
The second one is likely to go away, and that's the trade tariffs issue. It may not. It may stay with us for several years. It may not. Depends on how our trade partners react to Trump's negotiating style. But it is all a negotiation. And the third one, interest rates rise. Well, by the end of the year, the, the Fed will have raised another one, maybe two times. And so I think the bulk of the increases will be behind us once they do that. That's my opinion. So the market will already price in these things. And the market is still rallying right now. It started rallying off a low. So I think we've got another leg of the market up, coming up. I could be totally wrong because no one really knows. But I look at charts. I think it's very important that, that 2800 on the S&P breaking the 2800 is at 2798 So it's not that far from it. I think that's very, very important uh, support level. 2800 is the previous high uh, made in January. That's another very, if it breaks through that, well, we're on another upward leg in the month. Uh, the, the Dow, if it, it also has the same kinds of patterns. So I, I think I think that's why I say the bulls are still in charge. You don't see lower lows. That We did see that. We haven't seen lower lows really because it went only retested the one low it made back in February. Retested that low, but didn't break it. Let's go to Houston, who lives in St. Louis. How you doing, Houston? Hey, thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering uh, what you think about uh, Corning, the stock uh, GLW is a symbol. Mm -hmm. Very familiar with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's take a look at it. For everybody else, Corning, uh, GLW, makes glass substrates for LCDs, optical fiber cables for communication, ceramic, pollution control products. It's a $23, $24 billion company. It's slow growth. Sales growth is in the single digits, but it's pretty consistent. Five, six, seven percent the last year, every quarter. They're going to make $1.71 this year. That's up a, a 1%. Then next year, $1.97. That's up 15%. Pays a decent dividend at 2.5%. So at $1.97 and a $28.67 stock, that tells you that it's a fair price for the stock. It's, I think the stock can easily go back into the low 30s, where it was beginning of the year. But it is at a fair price now. So don't think that you know it's going to take off. It's not. It's just. It looks like it's already hit a bottom several months ago, back in May. And it's kind of mirroring the market as far as higher highs and higher lows from that point. So, uh, you know, you, I, I just think it's a big blue chip stock. I wouldn't buy it because as a blue chip stock, it's not paying a high enough dividend for me to get into it. But that's because I'm prejudiced. I want a higher dividend <laughs> for a, a big blue chip company. Because it doesn't have a lot of growth, and it probably won't have a lot of growth. Okay? Houston? Yeah, Appreciate the call. So GLW. Thank you. GLW, Corning. Everybody, it's a good, solid company. I'm just not keen on it. Doesn't have much debt. Those are good things. That's a good thing. Let's go to Manu in Fremont. How you doing, Manu? I'm good, Steve. Uh, 
have a question. You were talking about the charts and S&P uh, going back to that level. But yeah. I see is there are a lot of value stocks which are not going up. The only going up are software as well as Amazon and Netflix lights, which are being 70% gain for the S&P 500. So what do you think it can go to based on that or not? Because other, like semis are almost value stocks now, most of mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. but only software. Today they all bent by 5 or 4, 5%. Nothing else. So what you're saying, so what you're saying, man, is if if the Fang stocks, fa- Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, yeah. Google, are driving the index, which they are, you're right, drive especially the Nasdaq. If they're driving the index and they're expensive, which they are, how can I say that the market's going to continue up? When those stocks are very overvalued and the, the value stocks, which is a lot of the other rest of the market, uh, are not really moving up as well. Well, I think I think it's going to be a handoff venue. I've seen this before where the tech will be handed off to other in- sectors that may you may be right. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, remember, I'm I, I'm I'm looking at it from my point of view, which could be totally wrong. But I do think that the value uh, value stocks are getting more valuable because earnings, earnings are coming in very strong, even for those value stocks. Okay, and that mm, that means that they're not even really. Less. Today, there are a lot of companies which are trading at 52-week lows in S and P. Uh huh. Yes. And the barnings right now after hours, there are two three companies which barned. And they bent 10% down. Uh, for example, INGR, which uh, has bond and bent down to 52-week low. So there are a lot of, like retailers also, the only S&P is being kept up with Amazon and Netflix. Like every day, someone comes in the morning, upgrades the stock, and it goes up. Like Amazon was upgraded. Today to 2,000, everybody has the target of that. Yep, and that 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 tells me that's probably not going to happen. That's what that tells me. Uh, anyways, I, I still think that the earnings are going to be up 20% for the S&P 500, all, all the S&P 500. So that that's going to be a driver. It's going to be a driver until the next recession. As most of you know, we encourage your finance and investing questions live each weekday on investtalk.com during the radio program. And, you know, we're live 4 to 5 Pacific time. But we also accept your questions around the clock, 24 hours a day, 24 hours, 7 days a week. Same number, 888-99-CHART. So don't be afraid to call after hours. We will record your call and then play it back on the, on the air the next day. And remember, you and your friends are free to listen to any Invest Talk show anytime. We keep about 100 recent programs archived and accessible via our podcast player at investtalk.com. But at the moment, I'm still taking your calls live, 888-99-CHART. Thank you, Talk listeners. Steve's July 18th portfolio reviews scheduled for San Jose are now filled. As you've probably heard, he'll be conducting one-on-one 
personalized portfolio reviews for registered InvestTalk listeners. Yes, the July 18th opportunity is now closed. But if you're serious about wanting to maximize your return on investment strategies, KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will be happy to speak with you or Skype with you. Go to investtalk.com, click on the Contact Us link, and get a message through. And right now, you can submit your financial or investing questions to Steve live. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Inflation fears, right? That's the biggest thing about the Fed. The Fed is so worried about inflation. That's the thing they keep quoting, that reason why they're raising rates, they have... The, 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 they feel inflation pressures. Now, the so CPI and the PPI report came out. CPI is a consumer price index. PPI is a producer price index came out. Uh, CPI today, PPI yesterday. And the consumer price index, what we're paying, was up. Six-year high. Six-year high. To 2.9% annualized. 2.9. They want, their target is like 2.5%. 2.9 is what it is. So in that sense, that they are right. They are right. But it was up only one-tenth of 1%, by the way, from the month before. And the core it's taking out transportation and food, which are volatile, still was up two-tenths. So it's not like that's not – we are seeing inflation pressures. But this is my biggest complaint about I think the Fed, and you've heard me say this before, I think they should slow way down, maybe stop raising rates for a while and see how it, see how it goes. Because they are notoriously always too aggressive over too long a period of time, raising rates. And they start inflations. I mean, start recessions. But the, the reason why I'm, my biggest complaint is there's no wage inflation. Wage inflation is exactly what it was a year ago. It's been flat for a year. So there is no wage inflation. So you have to have wage inflation and retail, wholesale inflation for products and goods and services to get into that cycle, of, that inflation cycle that is that everybody fears. We don't see it. Not happening yet. And yet the Fed insists that they need to keep raising rates to fight inflation. So I'm, I'm just... I think they need to calm down a little bit. Well, the clock maybe on the wall tells me that our Thursday program is almost over, everybody. However, we still got about 10 minutes. So let's hear about how to grow your money. Get your calls in now, 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk, the seven most curious questions regarding your 401k. 401ks are great for retirement saving, but managing them can be quirky. That's tomorrow. But now, Steve is here, he's ready, and waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's go ahead and go to Glenn in Castro Valley. How you doing, Glenn? Good. How are you, Steve? I am very good, and I do appreciate the call. You know, I, I always say that, but I really do mean it, so I thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, my question is kind of maybe a little bit challenging one today, Steve, but it seems to oh. me that uh, 
more and more people are recognizing the, the benefits and the statistical advantages of accepting the efficient market hypothesis, Nobel Prize winning methodology. Um, everybody yep. seems to be heading that direction, but I can't help but tell you that um, your show seems to be uh, a great advocate against that, people believing that they can call you and, and get great results. Um, how, how do you put all that together, Steve? I would tell you and them that uh, you can buy the indexes and just hold them and you'll do just fine. You don't need to hire anybody. You don't need me. How, does that surprise you, Glenn? No, no, that's honest. That's the way it should be. But, but yeah. people that are calling your show are not doing that. How can you help them improve no. so that they can see that that's really the, the academically correct way and everything else is just a form of speculation and gambling that most likely will have a terrible result? Well, that's the, let, me, let me now expand on my argument. It depends on the individual because most people, you know, everybody does indexing when the market's in a bull market, Glenn. This, the where a good management man, money manager comes into play is not in a bull market. It's, that, that's not when it's the best. It's a bear market. How, does, how do you handle the down stroke? You heard me even in the show uh, talk about take a look at the risk that you're taking. If you, go, if you want to be in the market and take the S&P 500 risk, that's fine. You know, but most people, Glenn, can't stay in the market when it goes down. They can't. You just well, go back Steve, to the last I agree, but part, part of the problem goes back to even what Benjamin Graham wrote about 60 years ago is, you know, they can't. Mm -hmm. So they should have a more balanced portfolio, like a 50-50 portfolio or even less if they're really that resistant. Keep it balanced. And that way they not only will get through the good markets but the bad markets. And even, a, even that portfolio will outdo 99% of all investors across every market. Why not? And I agree with, I agree with that. If they can keep that balance, and what he's talking about, everybody, what Glenn's talking about, balance, is bonds. Having some bonds in your portfolio to help balance off the the risk of the stock market, and that's why you know I have that risk uh, risk tool on my website to see what kind of risk that you are comfortable with, to try to determine where you are. Buying bonds and being a, being part of your portfolio is a little bit more difficult than buying stocks. You can buy bond funds, but the net asset value goes down when interest rates go up. But if you buy the actual bonds and hold on to maturity, you'll always go back to par value. And I just lost, Glenn, I just lost a bunch of people because they don't know what all that means. <laughs> Therefore, well, you well, probably it's, need somebody it's like the Vanguard me. Total Stock Market, it's Vanguard Total Index Fund, or any other treasury fund, Steven. It, it's not hard to do, and it doesn't the, matter if interest rates go up and down. Bottom line is you're holding bonds so that you are defensive, so that you don't have a catastrophic result, so you can, they're gonna, so you can they're live gonna disagree with you, Glenn. Good returns the next the next bull market. Glenn, right? I'm gonna disagree with you there. Bond fund, a bond fund, even the Vanguard Total Market Fund, they will that value of that fund will go down. Yes, you get the yield, but you could completely lose all the yield to a net asset value that's going down when interest rates rise. When you can avoid that by actually buying the bonds themselves and just hold them to maturity. 
So I don't necessarily agree with you buying a bond fund solves that problem. It does not. But good good discussion. Appreciate the call. I really do. Thank you. That, I think we just ran out of time. <laughs> anyway. Okay, that's it for the day. Another Invest Talk radio show with your questions has been recorded for incorporation into your growing podcast library. Available 24 hours, 7 days a week at investtalk.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. And please come back tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights. 